Would you open God's precious holy word to 2 Chronicles 24? Then we will be jumping over to 2 Kings 12. Or the last verse of chapter 11. I'm at a spot where the verses in the Hebrew text run about one verse off from English translations. So you'll know that and be able to keep up with it just by the context that we're in. So we're going to start then with Second Chronicles 24. The evaluation of Joash, who is the king of Judah, Verses 1, 2, and 3 in Second Chronicles 24. Joash was seven years old when he became king. He reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebiah from Beersheba. Joash did what was proper in the eyes of Yahweh all the days of Jehoiada the priest. That's interesting. He instigates re- uh, reform and uh, does everything right as the king of Judah but for whatever reason, only as long as the priest lives, Jehoiada the priest. And Jehoiada the priest, of course, the guy that protected the young king, you know, in the temple. Jehoiada, Jehoiada took himself two wives and he begot sons and daughters. So this is sort of the introduction. And it, I don't know if, it's, uh, if that introduction starts. I think we're all in the same chapter here, but it may be a little different here. Your beginning may be in chapter 11, the last verse. But in my case, it's chapter 12 and verse 1. This is the account of 2 Kings 12. Uh, Jehoash was seven years old when he became king. Jehoash became king in the seventh year of Jehu. He reigned in Jerusalem for 40 years. His mother's name was Zabiah from Beersheba. Jehoash... Did what was proper in the eyes of Yahweh all his days, what Jehoiada the priest instructed him. So we understand uh, Jehoiada had a great deal of influence on this king, uh, had known him all of his life. He was in the presence of the instruction, uh, having, having been kept there, raised there, and now the high priest apparently is something like a father figure uh, to him. And so he kept the king in line, Jehoiada did, as long as he was alive. So now let's go back to chapter 24 and verses 4 through 41 and how uh, Joash, Jehoash, Jehoiada, they're all the same guy, repairs uh, the temple came to pass afterwards, it was in Joash's heart to renew the house of Yahweh. And he gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, go out to the cities of Judah, gather money from all of Israel to strengthen the house of our God from year to year. And you hasten to the matter. But the Levites did not hasten. Now, uh, Joash was focused on the repair of the temple. But he obviously couldn't do it by himself. So the king summoned Jehoiada the chief and said to him, 
Why did you not demand of the Levites to bring from Judah and from Jerusalem the tax of Moses, the servant of Yahweh, the congregation of Israel for the tent of the testimony? For the wicked Athaliah, her sons had breached the house of God and also all the hallowed things of the house of Yahweh they had made for Baalim. And the king ordered and they made one chest and they placed it in the gate of the house of Yahweh to the outside. So he has to raise the money. He has to get the money to be sure that the temple is uh, repaired. It, it has fallen into disrepair because there was no uh, urgency of worship in the hearts of, of the Jews in Judah uh, during a time when a wicked king uh, was ruling the people and himself uh, was an idolater. They summoned, I'm sorry, they announced in Judah and in Jerusalem to bring to Yahweh the tax of Moses uh, the house, to the house of God upon Israel in the desert. And all the officers and all the people rejoiced. They brought and cast into the chest until they were finished. So the people were happy. Finally, here's a guy who wants to bring us back to the, to the worship of Yahweh and to do the things that the law of Moses requires that we are to do. The people were wanting that, but the people need leadership. They hadn't had it until now, and they have both a, at this point in time, they have both a committed priest, high priest, and a committed king, uh, Joash. Now it came to pass at the time that the chest was brought to the appointment of the king by the hand of the Levites, when they saw that there was much money, the king's scribe uh, and the appointee of the head priest would come, empty the chest, carry it, return it to its place, uh, so they did day by day, and they gathered money in abundance. And the king and Jehoiada gave it to the foreman of the work of the service of the house of Yahweh and hired stone cutters and craftsmen to renew the house of Yahweh and also for craftsmen of iron and copper to strengthen the house of Yahweh. The workmen did their work and the work was improved by them and they set up the house of God on its base and they strengthened it. So there was quite a bit of work that had to be done. Both the king and the high priest, by the leadership of the king, intended that the work be good and proper, knowing that it was going to cost a lot of money, raising the money, and then making sure that the workmen were paid. This always helps a workman to work when he knows he's going to get paid. So this is... Uh, uh, this is the scenario of men working hard who were well paid and implicit in the text is that these, just like when Solomon hired the best in the world to build the temple, he was doing all he could, the king and then the high priest as well, to make sure that these were highly qualified workers uh, because the, the temple had, had come into such disrepair that they were having to even uh, go well into the structure uh, to make sure that the structure was restored back as the way it should have been. So it says they strengthened it. When they finished, they brought before the king and Jehoiada the rest of the money. And he made it into vessels for the house of Yahweh, service vessels and pestles and spoons and gold and silver vessels, 
of vessels, and they would constantly offer up burnt offerings in the house of Yahweh all the days of Jehoiada. Now take note of what's said here. There was a, a, a humble and f- serious focus on offering up burnt offerings in the house of Yahweh all the days of the priest, the high priest Jehoiada. Jehoiada emerges here in this context that started back the last time we were looking here. He emerges as really the great spiritual leader and uh, the people have a great uh, honor and respect for him and he has absolute reverence for Yahweh and for the worship required by God's people. So the burnt offerings were the offerings of a people who wanted to present themselves as, as uh, servants of Yahweh who would hold nothing back. It was a testimony of a believer, if you want to say it that way. They were offering up via these burnt offerings. They were actually offering themselves as worshipers. And a burnt offering meant that as it was offered up by a worshiper, uh, the worshiper was holding nothing back from service to Yahweh. So it says those burnt offerings were constant. They were constantly being offered up in the house of Yahweh all the days of Jehoiada. Now that's the priest, the high priest. So let's see what 2 Kings, whoops. Let's see what 2 Kings uh, 12, where did I go here? I have a strong finger. I jumped about four slides there. However, the high places, 2 Kings, we're back now to 12, verse 4. Now, a little criticism comes in to the word of God regarding the leadership from the king. However, the high places were not removed. Now, that would fall more on the king than it would on the high priest. The people were still slaughtering sacrifices and burning incense on the high places. So while he is under the influence of Jehoiada, the high priest, he is not absolute in coming against the idolatry of the people. I think I'm, there's a book. Um, the I can't remember the name of the book, but in that book it explains from historians who have seen it in the archaeological digs and in the cuneiforms and so forth. They have seen how these pagan worship systems operated. And what the people did that they called worship, I've mentioned it quite a bit, it was abhorrent. It was, it was unbelievable. Um, and it, of course, it starts with the worship of a fertility god. It's a fertility cult, which always makes its way into a 
an elevation of aberrant sexual behavior. And everything that you could think of that is wicked with regard to evil sexual behavior, all of those things were just a part of worship. They would engage with priests and priestesses. Um, The sexual acts were indescribable. And this was a, this was, this was a, uh, a thing that, that really worked on the baser uh, existence of a human being. And it was just too enjoyable. <clears throat> so if a king wasn't uh, willing to take drastic behavior, he could not stop the people from doing what they did in this worship. So when it says here in this verse four <clears throat> that the high places were not removed uh, and they still slaughtered the sacrifices and burned the incense to the high places, that means that they were still uh, carrying on, thank you, with, uh, with this horrible, uh, these horrible activities. So this was still going on at the same time while so-called reforms were taking place. Jehoiah said to the priests, all money of the hallowed things which is brought to the house of Yahweh, the money of anyone who passes the numbering, uh, who passes the numbering, each one the money of the value of the people, whose value he vows to donate, all money which comes upon a man's heart to bring to the house of Yahweh, the priests shall take for themselves, each one from his acquaintance, and they shall strengthen the damage of the house wherever the damage is found." This is what we saw just a second ago in Second Chronicles. The emphasis being on the fact that this money was used for nothing but to strengthen, refurbish, uh, repair the temple. And, and the disrepair of the temple was, was it, it directly reflected the state of the spiritual hearts of, of the Jews in the southern kingdom because of, because of the wickedness of the king. Remember the guy who wanted to follow Ahab and he spent a lot of time with Ahab and he brought, he brought all that down. And then, of course, the queen, Athaliah, the queen mother who actually ruled in Judah for a while. This, uh, this space of time left a vacuum in spiritual leadership that Satan quickly filled with, with this uh, false worship. It was that in the 23rd year of King Jehoash, the priests did not strengthen the damages of the house. King Jehoash summoned Jehoiada the priest. The priest said to them, why are you not repairing the damage of the house? Now take no money from your acquaintances, but give it for the damage of the house. And the priests agreed not to take money from the people and not to repair 
the damage of the house. Jehoiada the priest took one chest, bored a hole in its door. He placed it near the altar on the right where a person enters the house of Yahweh. And the priests, the guards of the threshold would put all of the money that was brought into the house of Yahweh into there. And it was when they saw that there was much money in the chest that the king's scribe and the high priest went up and packed and counted the money which was brought into the house of Yahweh. There, there has to be, you know, fundraising is, especially for, speaking from my perspective, is never an enjoyable thing because you think that people are thinking that you're going to get it for yourself. You know, you get a percentage of whatever it is and, uh, and it makes a, makes a leader kind of reluctant to say anything about it. However, obviously the need for, for the fundraising goes deep. And once the serious focus is made, that uh, this will go directly into the repairing of the damages of the house of Yahweh. Then the spirit of Yahweh, and there are so many left, sort of like in the time of Elijah, so many that were still there that had not bowed their knees to Baal, they come together in this, uh, in this effort, and of those worshipers, this united effort uh, brings in Sufficient, more than sufficient money uh, that could be. And we saw back in Second Chronicles that what was left over was just used not to pay out anything other. It didn't even go to the king's coffers nor into the storehouse of the temple. It went into vessels of worship uh, in the temple. They would give the counted money into the hands of the foreman uh, of the work who were appointed in the house of Yahweh. They spent it for the carpenters and for the builders who work in the house of Yahweh and for the masons and for the stone cutters and to buy wood and quarried stones to repair the damage of the house of Yahweh and for everything which would be spent for the house to strengthen it. However, there would not be made for the house of Yahweh. Uh, there would not be made for that silver pitches, uh, pitchers, musical instruments, basins, trumpets, or any uh, golden or silver utensils from the house of uh, brought into the house of Yahweh, but they would give to the foreman over the work. They would repair there with the house of Yahweh and they would not reckon with men into whose hand they gave the money uh, to give the foreman over to the work for they did the work honestly. Now we saw back in second Chronicles 24 that when he got to the point that they had done everything that needed to be done, uh, this caveat was added that, uh, it was at that point that they would, they would make, uh, implements, of, of worship. But here the emphasis in 2 Kings is that they were careful uh, to pay the workers, that no one would be shortchanged or cheated in any way, and that the, as I said, it was implicit in this general context in both 2 Chronicles and in 2 Kings that uh, these were apparently uh, the best craftsmen in the whole area uh, that were that were used and everybody trusted everybody, which made the, the whole, the whole effort go a lot easier. So Jehoiada, the high priest dies. Then his son is put to death. Let's read about that in second Chronicles 24. Now Jehoiada grew old and was sated with days and he died. 
He was 130 years old upon his death. They buried him in the city of David with the kings, for he had done good in Israel and with Elohim and his house. So you'll notice this is the high priest. They buried him in the city of David. They buried him with the kings because he had done good. Everybody respected the spiritual leadership of Jehoiada. And after the death of Jehoiada, the princes of Judah came and prostrated themselves to the king. And then the king hearkened to them. And they forsook the house of Yahweh, the God of their fathers, and they worshiped the Asherim and the idols. And there was wrath upon Judah and upon Jerusalem because of this, their guilt. And Yahweh sent prophets among them to return them to Yahweh. And they warned them. But they did not incline their ears. They wouldn't listen. So then the spirit of God, the spirit of Elohim, of Elohim enveloped Zechariah, who was the son of Jehoiada the priest, and stood above the people. And he said to them, so says God, why do you transgress the commandments of Yahweh? You will not succeed because you have forsaken. There's that word again, forsake. Forsaken Yahweh, and he has forsaken you. Hebrew is very strong, very strong word. It, it means that they have no feeling. They've absolutely turned their backs on Yahweh. You know, you see this all the way through from, from Genesis all the way up now to 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings. The, the cycle of blessing and then sin, and then wrath, and, and then judgment, and then repentance, and restoration, and blessing, and so forth, all the way through. It's, it's, a, it's an unbelievable thing to take note of when you read the Old Testament. So here, the son of Jehoiada is, is preaching to the people and telling them what they've done. You have forsaken Yahweh, he has forsaken you. They conspired against him and stoned him by the king's command in the forecourt of the house of Yahweh. Now this is the son of the guy that raised the king who had such influence on the king, but the king has turned against Yahweh. And should have not, I mean, he probably grew up with this guy, but he gives orders to stone this guy to death because he is preaching against their sin. Well, God, God will judge. God will judge. King Joash did not remember the loving kindness that Jehoiada, his father, had done with him. But he killed his son. And upon his death, he said, upon this is the death of, of, the, of Zechariah, the, the son. The son said, may Yahweh see and requite. His, his final words, his last words was to ask for Yahweh to forgive. This, these, were his last, these were his last words. Now, here comes the judgment of God. Aram invades Judah. Not just that, but humiliates Judah. We go back now to 2 Chronicles 24, verses 23 and 24. It came to pass at the turn of the year that the army of Aram marched upon him. They came to Judah and Jerusalem destroyed all of the princes, that's the governors and leaders of the people from among the people 
and all of their plunder they sent to the king of Damascus. For with few men of the army of Aram came, and Yahweh delivered into their hands an exceedingly large army, the army of Judah. For they had forsaken Yahweh, the God of their fathers, and they dealt out punishment to Joash. Can you see that word punishment? This is the wrath of God upon the people. This is exactly what Zechariah, before they stoned him to death, was warning them about. You have forsaken Yahweh. Yahweh has forsaken you. And with the massive army that Israel was able to put up, uh, I'm sorry, Judah was able to put up, it was just a few men. It was a small force that came in and defeated the great army of Judah. Now here's what 2 Kings says about that. In chapter 12, verse 17 and 18, the money for the guilt dollars, the money for sin offerings would not, uh, would not be brought to the house of Yahweh. They would go to the priests. Then Hazael, the king of Aram, went up and fought with Gath and captured it. Hazael set his face to ascend upon Jerusalem. Now he couldn't do anything. He would be restrained by God from taking over the throne of Judah. It is not the design of Yahweh for this to happen. It'll happen in the time of, uh, of uh, Babylon, but it is not that time yet. This was the wrath of God upon an evil king and the evil king's influence that had caused so many people to turn against Yahweh and give themselves over to Baal worship. So then Joash the king dies. We're back to 2 Chronicles 24 and uh, in beginning of verse 25. And when they went away from him, for they left him with many ailments, that is the army that attacked, and they left him, he was in bad shape. His servants conspired against him for the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest, and they slew him on his bed, and he died. And buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the graves of the kings. So he was humiliated even in, in his burial uh, as an evil king. And these are the ones who conspired against him. Zabad, the son of Shimeat, the Ammonitus. Jehazabad, the son of Shimurit, the Moabitess. That's interesting, isn't it? That these foreign people had, were, were in this conspiracy. And concerning his sons and the many prophecies about him and the foundation of the house of God, behold, they are inscribed in the midrash of the book of the kings and Amaziah, his son reigned in his stead. Now here's the count from 2 Kings 12. Jehoash, the king of Judah, took all the hallowed things that Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and Azahiah, his forefathers, the kings of Judah, had hallowed, and his own hallowed things, and all the gold that was found in the treasuries, uh, that was found in the treasuries house of Yahweh and the royal palace, and sent it to Hazael, the king of Aram, for which he turned back from marching on. He bought him out, he paid him off. In order to maintain his throne, he gave him all this, this treasure and gold and hallowed things. And the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did 
are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. And his servants rose up and revolted. They struck Joash at Bethmelo, which leads down to Selah. And Jazakar, the son of Shimeat, and Jehazabad, the son of Shomer, his servants, struck him and he died. They buried him with his forefathers in the city of David, and his son Amaziah reigned in his stead. It's a, it's a graphic and stark account of how God superintends the journey of his people. Things were going fine there as long as Jehoiada was alive. But this king just sort of snapped. And he, he totally reversed himself on everything after the death of the high priest. Such that he even put the high priest's son to death. Had him stoned to death. Because he was preaching against their sin. Didn't take long for God then to respond in wrath and judgment. He spared the kingdom. He spared the king and the throne of David because of his covenant. But the, the worth of the kingdom had been greatly diminished. And uh, the, the prosperity of the people now has been greatly uh, diminished. And they are no longer in the high standing that they had back, especially in the days of, of Jehoshaphat. Well, we're going to stop there and... And pick it up next time. We have our deacon prayer time.